Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 51, the new DJI Mavic 3 Cine. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks guys for joining in to today's podcast. This is the 51st episode of the Filming with Josh podcast, and we have a lot to unpack today. So if you are new to Filming with Josh, this podcast is all about video, photography, editing, and the business that goes with it. We also have a Facebook group called Filming with Josh, which has over 650 members, and we're trying to hit 700 soon. Um, But that Facebook group goes along with the podcast. We talk about all things video there. You can go there and chat about the podcast or ask questions about video or share your thoughts on a product you're using and engage in conversation with other like-minded individuals. So if you are not yet a member of Filming with Josh, go to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. I look forward to seeing you there. So for those of you who are on the Filming with Josh page or who know me personally, you know that um, about a week and a half, not quite two weeks ago, I had my first son, little Wilder Luke Milligan, was born on October 28th at 5.09 p.m. And I joked and said to him uh, that I needed a new director of photography, um, so I went out and made one. (laughs) He is the cutest thing, and uh, being a dad is has been one of the coolest experiences of my life so far. I absolutely love him. Uh, like before this podcast this morning, we were watching TV and I, I, I was watching TV and I was laying down and he was sleeping on my chest and it was just like the coolest thing in the world. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this experience and I'm just so stoked to be a dad now. So welcome Wilder Luke to the world. Let's chat now about the new DJI Mavic 3 Cine. Last week, DJI announced the Mavic 3 Cine alongside the Mavic 3 and Mavic 3 Flymore combo. I'll briefly discuss what those are real quick so everyone's on the same page. The DJI Mavic 3 is $2,200, and that is just the drone, the remote control, battery, battery charger, you know, the standard kit. That's 2200 bucks. The Mavic 3 Flymore combo is $3,000, and it's the Mavic 3 plus three intelligent fly batteries instead of two, um, a battery charging hub, which charges all three batteries at once, a convertible carrying bag, uh, one set of uh, ND filters, which include an ND4, ND8, ND16, and ND32, And all of that, again, is for $3,000. And then there's the DJI Mavic 3 Cine Premium Combo. This is the one we're going to primarily talk about today, but we will talk about all three. Um, But the DJI Mavic 3 Cine Premium Combo uh, is the Mavic 3 Cine Drone, which is a slightly different drone. Uh, It it has the same camera, the same sensor, the same body, um, but... It has the word Cine on the side of it and includes a built-in one terabyte SSD drive along with Apple ProRes 422HQ video recording. And it comes with the DJI RC Pro Hybrid Display Remote, which is a really high-end remote control. It's a $1,200 remote. It's got a Hybrid, relatively large built-in screen. And it also comes with... um, the same set of NDs plus an additional set of even stronger NDs. So you get eight NDs total. Um, And then everything else you get with the Flymore combo, the three batteries, the three bay battery charger, the same bag, that good stuff. So that's essentially um, what makes up these three different uh, products or three different price categories. The Mavic 3 and the Mavic 3 Flymore Combo are essentially the same product. It's just the Flymore Combo. You get two additional batteries. You get the charging hub. You get ND filters and the carrying bag. And then again, if you get the Cine Combo, it's all of that plus an extra set of ND filters, the Hybrid um, uh, DJI RC Pro Remote with a built-in screen. 
Uh, and then you get the Cine drone, which has the uh, one terabyte SSD drive and Apple ProRes 422HQ recording. So that's that sums up the three the three different price categories for the new Mavic line. When this first got announced, I was so stoked. Um, I know that for me, for me, I have kind of read a little bit of rumors and I knew a little bit about what to expect, but I, I just, I didn't quite know everything that was going to be in it. And I was pretty blown away. Um, these drones are just incredible. And I, I was so pumped that I, I knew the announcement was coming and I had kind of been waiting for this drone for a little while. And as soon as they announced it at 10 o'clock that night, I literally hopped online and I, I, I ordered mine, placed my order uh, for the Mavic 3 Cine uh, combo. I, it was the one I wanted. And yeah, it's expensive. It's five grand. Um, but I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about all these drones and I'm going to talk about kind of what their pricing is uh, and, and kind of why, why they're priced the way that they're priced and where they kind of fit in. Um, well, really in the in the drone world as a whole. When I look at when I look at drones, I used to not have drones. When drones first came out, they had you know, DJI was the first like big heavy hitter. You you had other companies like FreeFly which had like their Alta line and those were really high-end drones that flew cinema cameras or mirrorless or DSLR cameras. You had DJI, which had uh, the Matrix line, which could fly uh, similar type of cameras. And there were a few other players, but but when it came down to prosumer or consumer drones, DJI was really the main player in the game. And DJI had come out with their Phantom line um, that flew GoPros. This is back in the early days of consumer drones. And I never bought one because to me, to me, they didn't quite look good enough. Um, GoPros are cool. I have two GoPro Hero 10 Blacks and I like them. But to me, I only use them for very specific situations like um, maybe I'm going to mount one to a paddle on a kayak and I know it's going to go in and out of the water for a cool shot. Maybe I'm going to mount it to an airplane or a helicopter or an ATV uh, or a fishing boat um, maybe a car or four wheeler, you know, I, I mount, I mount those GoPros to a lot of vehicles and a lot of, a lot of really unique things like fishing nets and stuff like that to get really cool perspectives. And they're really great for that kind of thing. But when it comes to like aerial shots, aerial shots are supposed to be like establishing shots or shots that track something like a vehicle um, or potentially even a person. They're supposed to be shots that give you a perspective about what's going on in the world around you, and they're really great for that. But the problem for me is that back in the day when, when you had these drones that flew GoPros, the GoPros just they just didn't cut it for that kind of an establishing shot. And to me, I didn't think that they were good enough. Um, I thought they were great for what they were. GoPros were great on going on vehicles or kayak paddles or fishing nets. <laughs> um, but, but they weren't something I would want to use to establish a scene. They weren't good enough for that. So I never bought a Phantom that flew a GoPro drone because I just, I didn't see myself ever wanting to put that kind of footage in my work. I was shooting with uh, bigger cinema cameras and really was enjoying the footage I was getting from them. And to me to go from that to a GoPro for an establishing shot kind of seemed like a major step backwards. So I never bought one. It wasn't until um, around the spring of 2016 when I finally broke down and bought a drone. And this was the DJI Phantom 4. Um, at this time, DJI had started making drones with built-in cameras that were not GoPros. In fact, they were a couple generations in at this point. And they came out with a Phantom 4. And the Phantom 4 still wasn't something that I wanted to use a ton because I still didn't think it was that much better than a GoPro. However, I had a, a job I had to go shoot out of state and my client was specifically wanting drone footage. I had to have a drone, so I bought the Phantom 4. And I actually liked it. I didn't like the footage so much. I thought it was okay, but it didn't look like my, my cinema cameras or my mirrorless cameras. Um, but what I did like about it was flying it. I thought it was pretty easy to fly. It had some good obstacle avoidance sensors on it. Um, it has some pretty cool modes and things that made it fly, made flying it a lot easier if you're wanting to circle around an object and stuff. And so I actually thought flying it was a pretty nice experience, but the footage just kind of was a letdown. But I had to get it because my client wanted drone shots and I wasn't going to drop, you know, $15,000 into 
uh, a big drone setup at the time. So to me, you know, it was good enough. About a month or so after I bought it, DJI announced the uh, Phantom 4 Pro. And the Phantom 4 Pro was a huge step up. It had a one inch sensor, which was much better than the uh, Phantom 4. It was, a, it was the biggest sensor in a consumer drone at the time, and or at least to my knowledge. And it had um, the ability to record into an H.265 codec, which I hate editing with H.265, and I'm going to talk about that more today. But at the time, the H.265 codec did give you um, the ability to retain a little bit more information than H.264 because the bitrate was the same between H.265 and H.264. It's just that H.265 is actually capturing more information for the same amount of bitrate um, when compared to H.264, so you're technically capturing more detail. So you, it had a bigger sensor. It had the H.265 recording um, codec option, and it just was an overall better sensor with more pleasing images. And so I quickly went to the camera store I bought my Phantom 4 from. I have a really good relationship with this store. And I was like, hey, like I, I, I would not have bought this had I known the Phantom 4 Pro was coming out. I've done a lot of business with you guys. Is there any way you'd let me return it and pre-order the Phantom 4 Pro? And they said yes. So that's what we did. Um, they let me exchange it. I paid the extra money and I got the Phantom 4 Pro and I bought the Pro Plus version, the one that had the screen built into the remote. Um, because I didn't want to have to deal with plugging in my phone or tablet if I could avoid it, because to me that was always an issue. Uh, if your phone or tablet died, you'd be kind of screwed. So I bought the Phantom 4 Pro Plus version that had the, had the remote with the screen attached to it. I flew that drone from 2016 all the way to the summer of 2021, which is this past summer. And the, about the, the almost five years, because it was just under five years that I owned it, it, it did okay for me. I know I took it a lot of places with me. I took it with me to Mongolia and to Alaska and to Canada multiple times. I took it down to all different kinds of places, used it for anything from outdoor hunting and fishing projects that I used to do. I took it with me for um, commercial projects, large land, real estate, events, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and as far as like, as far as the shots I was able to get from it, like the, 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 the aerial shots and the angles and stuff, I thought that I thought that really added a lot to my work because it allowed me to get up high and show a different perspective or get an establishing shot or track a vehicle. Like I was able to do really cool stuff with it. And so for the last five years, I've enjoyed having a drone and I think it's been a huge benefit for me. Um, but I've always, I've always never been super excited about the image from it. It's not that the image from the Phantom 4 Pro is necessarily bad, it's just not great. And, and if the lighting is not like perfect, then the footage from that drone just a lot of times just falls short. And it's because it's a one inch sensor. And a one inch sensor, again, at the time was, a, was big. <clears throat> but in the grand scheme of things, it's still pretty small. And when you're in trickier lighting conditions, I'm not even talking about low light, but I'm talking even when it's bright outside and you have to get a shot in the middle of the day, which you normally wouldn't want to do. But, you know, hey, if you got to get the shot and that's when you, that's, that's the window of time you have, you got to shoot. And those smaller sensors with the the less dynamic range that they have, they sometimes just can't handle those scenarios as well as a large sensor camera. They just don't look as good. Plus, even though the Phantom 4 Pro had an H.265 codec that could record more detail than an H.264 codec, it still wasn't enough detail being recorded. Um, and you could see this because if you ever try to crop into a consumer drone image, uh, you'll probably notice that the footage looks kind of mushy. It doesn't look like when you're cropping in on your A7S III footage, right? If you're shooting 4K on your A7S III and you're working on an HD timeline and you want to crop in a little bit, it's going to look good. But if you're shooting 4K on a Phantom 4 Pro, for example, or a Mavic 2 Pro, and you want to crop in on that shot for an HD timeline, you're going to instantly notice it doesn't look that good. And that's because there's not a thick enough codec there to be able to retain enough information for all the detail that the camera is seeing. And, and think about how much detail a drone sees. When a drone gets high up in the sky or um, you know, gets, gets out a perspective that's kind of far out, you're, you're recording trees, leaves, 
fine lines of grass blades, things like that. You're not using it to, to, to record a shallow depth of field interview where the only detail in the shot is a person's face, right? You're using it to record, you know, a lot, a lot of complex stuff. It could be a cityscape with all kinds of buildings and windows and bridges and power lines, or it could be a big field with trees and grass and corn and all this stuff. But the point is, is there's so much more information that needs to be captured in those shots versus, say, an interview. And if you don't have a really strong codec with a high bit rate, it won't be able to retain all those fine details, which is why if you crop in on a drone shot, a lot of times it looks mushy. And if you want to, if you want another example of this, if you ever like, have you ever shot, I'll never forget this. Whenever I was doing outdoor TV, I shot this time-lapse of, uh, I can't remember. It was like a wheat field or something like that. It was a really cool shot. Um, but when I went to export it from Premiere with my export settings that I normally had used, when it exported the individual, um, plant the individual wheat plants they looked mushy they were kind of clumped together and it was because my export setting didn't have enough bit rate or bit depth to retain the information of all those individual uh, plants and so what I ended up having to do was jack the bit rate way up way higher on my export settings than I normally would do in order for there to be enough meat there in the codec to be able to retain all that information. Have you ever done that? Have you ever noticed that where you shoot something that's got a lot of detail but you export it and it doesn't look as detailed anymore? A lot of times it's because you, you're, you don't have enough bit rate there, enough bit depth. And that's what you run into on these drones that don't have a thick enough codec to record all the details that they're seeing. So this Phantom 4 Pro that I owned, it had a, it had a one inch sensor, which was big for its time. And it had an H.265 codec, which was better than H.264 in terms of the amount of information it's capturing. But it still was a small sensor and it still didn't have really enough bit rate to be able to handle the information it was recording. So to, to me, I thought the dynamic range wasn't the greatest. I thought the low light performance wasn't that good. And I thought that the fine details were mushy. And that was my overall experience with the Phantom 4 Pro. Did it work for me for five years? Yeah, it did. It gave me aerial shots. But a lot of times I just would kind of cringe at the shots I would get. Um, and only, only when the lighting was perfect and the scenario was perfect did I get shots that I was actually happy with. The rest of the time, it just always was like, eh, it doesn't look that great. Um, one of my favorite videos I ever did with a Phantom 4 Pro is actually one of the first videos I ever shot with it. It was the Heart of the Hollow. If you've never checked that out, go to um, my Rustic River Media Vimeo page and search Heart of the Hollow. And that is a cool seven and a half-ish uh, minute long short film I shot about this ranch in Oklahoma. And I spent 10 days on that ranch, and every time I shot with my drone, I shot it in the morning and e or evening. In fact, almost every shot in that entire video, uh, aerial or ground footage, was shot in the morning or evening, um, except for a handful of shots. And because of that, and, and I was able to do that because I was there for 10 days, right? So I had 10 mornings and 10 evenings to capture all that content. So I only shot when the lighting was golden. In the middle of the day, I was dumping footage and writing scripts. Um, but if you watch that project... You'll notice how everything is real soft and golden and pretty for the most part, and that includes the drone footage, and that's because the lighting was just perfect in every situation that I took it out in. However, how often do you have that? How often do you get to go out and film in the perfect lighting scenario? It's not very often, right? Because most of the time when you go and film, you're just going to have to film with whatever window of time you're given. A client may have you, you know, shooting interviews in the morning and getting um, aerial shots in the middle of the afternoon and then wrapping up by getting some testimonies in the evening. And then you got to come home and cut all that together with some B-roll. You know, I'm, I'm just making this up, but you know what, you know what I'm talking about. You sometimes just have to shoot when you have to shoot. And so for me, these these drones, these smaller consumer drones, they just they they just didn't look great in those situations, and it just always bothered me, especially because I was you know I'm, I was working at the time with FS7s and um, you know A7S2s and A7R3s, you know pretty nice large sensor cameras that look great when recording footage from the ground, but then I'd go to the air with my drone and it just didn't look the same. You know, so that always kind of bothered me. So for the last five years or so, I have often said that the weakest link in all of my equipment 
is has been my drone because it just couldn't keep up with my bigger cameras. And so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for something better. And I kind of gave up on waiting for a new Phantom because I just kind of came to terms with the fact it looked like it looked like DJI was never going to come out with another Phantom. But they did come out with a Mavic line. They came out with a Mavic 2 Pro. And the Mavic 2 Pro the Mavic 2 Pro was similar to the Phantom 4 Pro I owned. It came out a few years ago, and it was similar to my Phantom 4 Pro in that it had a one-inch sensor, but it was much, much smaller and more compact. Um, and you were able to fold it up and throw it in a small backpack. I mean, it had a lot of advantages, but I never bought one because side-by-side um, -side comparisons I saw from that camera versus the Phantom 4 Pro showed that the Phantom 4 Pro was actually uh, sharper and more detailed. Um, it looked like the Mavic 2 Pro just was softer overall, and I've read some theories as to why that is. I don't know if it's line skipping or pixel bending. I'm not sure, but I do know that the image from it was softer than the Phantom 4 Pro. That was pretty obvious. Plus, it, it only shot 4K up to 30 frames, which I, that's usually what I shoot in is 4K 30 with my drone shots. Um, but sometimes I want to shoot 4K 60, and it didn't have that capability. Um, and then on top of all that, um, I just I felt like I just felt like not only was I not gaining anything, um, but I, I I felt like it was just kind of a waste of money. Like, what am I going to get from this drone that I don't have already? It's smaller, more compact, but the footage isn't as good, and it only shoots 4K 30. So I never bought a Mavic a Mavic 2 Pro. I never bought into it. Um, so I just kept hanging on to my Phantom 4, just waiting for something better. And finally, this summer, I got hired for a job that was almost all aerial shots. And I broke down and got a new drone because I just was so unhappy with my Phantom 4 Pro. So I broke down and bought the DJI Air 2S, which was a, a newer product at the time. And it had a one-inch sensor like my Phantom 4 Pro. Um, and it shot to a similar codec, but it actually had a little bit higher bit rate than my Phantom 4 Pro, and um, the overall image was better. It had a much better sensor, and it should. It was a five-year newer product, and I was, to my surprise, the, the Air 2S actually had a pretty decent image, better than what I was getting the Phantom 4 Pro, so I, I bought one and flew it this summer for a couple projects, and, and it, it was not bad. It definitely was better than my Phantom 4 Pro. However, it still it still wasn't like what I was getting on my ground footage. It still wasn't like having a cinema camera in the air. It, it was better than my Phantom 4 Pro, but it still was a small one-inch sensor consumer drone at the end of the day. And so while it was an improvement, I just still wasn't that happy. But the problem is, what other options were out there, right? What other options are out there? When you look at, when you look at the drone market, and this is going to kind of lead us into the Mavic 3 Cine here in a minute. When you look at the drone market, the reason why I hung on to the um, Phantom 4 Pro for five years and the reason why the only drone I upgraded to is the Air 2S <laughs> was because there really wasn't another option without having to go all the way up to something like an Inspire 2 with an Zimus X5 or X7 camera or without having to get something like a Freefly Astro or Freefly Alta or Sony Air Peak One. Some of those are just now coming out even. Um, but the point is, is, is you, really, you really had two different, two different options. You could either get a consumer drone with a one inch sensor by DJI or a similar brand, or you could go to the complete other side of the spectrum and get a very expensive drone with a Micro Four Thirds or Super 35 sensor, or even a drone to fly your full-frame cameras or cinema cameras, but those were serious money. I mean, that the cheapest of them would be the um, DJI Inspire uh, 2S, uh, Inspire 2, um, with the Zimus X5 camera and the ProRes license upgrade, and you, you get basically you'd get the advanced kit, and it's a $7,100 product, and that's that's the starting price that's with one battery, right? And it's missing, you know, ND filters and only comes with one lens, right? So by the time you build that kit out, it's gonna be much more money than $7,100. But that's the cheapest. And then from there, you could get that same drone, the Inspire 2, but you could get it with a Zimus X7 uh, Super 35 camera, which by the time you get it and all the accessories, you're looking at $10,000, $12,000. You could get a Freefly um, 
Astro uh, or a Furry Fly Alta, and those are going to push you to from the ten to fifteen thousand dollar mark. And you see what I'm saying? So you either got a consumer one inch drone that's going to cost you twenty five hundred dollars or less, or you got a very expensive drone that's going to start at like seventy one hundred dollars before you start adding a bunch of accessories to it, and it's going to go on up to ten or fifteen thousand depending on what you get. There was really no middle ground, right? There was really nothing playing in between those two ends of the spectrum. And that's why for so many years, I've worked with the Phantom 4 Pro and, and then eventually the, the, the DJI Air 2S. There really was just no other route. And for me, I, I tossed around the idea of buying a, a large drone like an Inspire 2, but the Inspire 2's technology is five years old by this point. Plus, again, by the time you get it and you get it decked out, even if you get the X5 camera with like the ProRes license, you're still looking at you're still probably looking at 9,000 or more dollars, which is a lot of money. And, and it's a lot more flight risk because if you crash that, that's a much bigger problem, even if it's insured, than crashing something that costs four or $5,000. Not to mention, it's so much bigger and heavier. You're not going to take an Inspire 2 package and throw it in a small backpack with your other camera gear. I mean, that's a huge drone that's going to be packing into a big Pelican case is going to weigh close to 50 pounds that you're going to have to check check under a plane. And it takes a lot longer to set up and really is designed to be flown by two people. And the flight time isn't that great. It's just older technology, bigger drone, meant to be flown by two people at a much higher cost and just wasn't a route I could quite convince myself to go. Same thing was for the FreeFly route. I seriously considered getting the new FreeFly Astro, but the price has actually gone up because of... Um, COVID-related and economic things. And now, by the time you buy it and deck it out, you're looking at ten dollars or $12,000, and you have to fly your own camera and own lenses on top of that. So if you crash that sucker, you're, you're looking at crashing more than $15,000. And I just, I can't go there, you know? And so for me, I've had to live in the consumer drone world for a long time, working with these little one-inch sensor drones that were okay, but weren't great and did not look like my my cinema cameras or my mirrorless cameras. And so this has just been the world that I've lived in for, for a long time as it has been for other people who are in my shoes. And it wasn't until DJI announced the Mavic 3 Cine last week that this finally changed. The reason why this changed is the Mavic 3 Cine has a micro four-thirds sensor. It has a 47 minute flight time, and comes with a one terabyte SSD built in with the ability to record ProRes HQ. It is an incredible drone. It, it records footage at 5.1K up to 60 frames per second and 4K up to 120 frames per second. All of that in ProRes HQ, or you can shoot in H.265 if you wanna save space but most people who buy this are gonna shoot it in ProRes because that's half the point of buying the drone. Now, when, you, when, I, when I talk about those specs, I mean, think about that. This is, a, this is a small Mavic line drone that's foldable, packable, you can throw it in a backpack, that can record 5.1K 60 frames, 4K 120 micro four thirds sensor, ProRes HQ. I mean, that's just incredible. If you would have talked about this a few years ago, people wouldn't believe you that you could get that in such a small, lightweight package for such a cheap price. And again, it comes with this $1,200 incredible remote that has this screen built into the remote itself. It's a high bright screen. It's not just any screen. It's a very, very nice 1080p high bright screen that you can see outside in the middle of the day. And it's an extremely precise remote that's got really good precision to it, making flying uh, tricky shots a lot easier. It's an incredible combination. And it comes again with eight ND filters, six sets of props, um, and it comes with three batteries, a three bay battery charger, and it all fits in this nice um, backpack bag thing. It's pretty dang cool. And when you look at that, that is a micro four thirds sensor, sensor is quite a jump from the one inch sensors we've been dealing with. Um, it's like flying a GH5. You know, how many, how many of you listen to this podcast have ever uh, filmed with a GH5 or um, watched GH5 footage online? You know, it's GH5 is pretty nice. And 
The GH5 is a micro four-third sensor. This drone has a similar sized sensor. It's technically a four-third sensor, not micro four-thirds, but um, basically the same thing. So you're, it's almost like flying a, a GH5 in the air with the ability to record 5.1K up to 60 frames per second. I mean, that's awesome. And you're doing it at ProRes. Remember earlier I talked about H.265 at the bit rates that these consumer drones had, not having enough information or enough bit rate to be able to record all the data that's in an aerial shot. ProRes completely eliminates that problem because ProRes HQ, which is the file type in this drone, it's such a thick codec with such a high bit rate that you're not gonna get those same mushy shots anymore. There's so much information that can be recorded with that size of a codec that's so uncompressed that you no longer have to worry about trees and grass and building edges looking mushy anymore. So it's you're, you're talking about a drone that gets rid of that mushiness problem that has a bit rate that's thick enough to handle what the drone is seeing, plus the fact that it's on a micro four-third sensor, which is a technically a large sensor. And to me, that's incredible. The fact that we have that, and you can shoot at 5.1K, you can scale it down in post, you can even crop in on it if you want because the bit rate it can handle cropping in on the image without looking trashy now. So, I mean, this is a very, very high-end consumer drone. And dare I say, it's really a professional drone, which is why it's marked at $5,000. Now, let's talk about the price here. Because for whatever reason, people seem to be really upset about the price of this drone. And I, I really don't understand that. You know, they say, well, you can you can get the Fly More combo for $3,000. And when you buy the fan, the uh, the Mavic 3 Cine, you're paying $2,000 extra dollars because it costs five grand. And that those $2,000 only pays for ProRes. So you're spending two grand just for ProRes. That's the argument I see online. But that could not be further from the truth. Because let's, let's break this down for a minute. First off, it comes with a second set of ND filters um, uh, that are four different strings. So you get you get the 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 same four ND filters, ND4, ND8, ND16, ND32 that come with the um, Flymore combo. Plus, you're also getting four more NDs that are even higher in strength. Those four NDs retail for $180. Okay, so there's $180 worth of our price difference you're getting the $1,200 remote with a high bright screen. So that adds another $1,200 to our price difference. On top of that, you're getting a built-in one terabyte SSD drive. Uh, a one terabyte SSD retails somewhere around $100 to $200. Okay, so let's add that to our price difference. And then lastly, you have the ProRes license. ProRes isn't free. Nikon did not get the ability to put ProRes in their new Z9 for free. They had to pay Apple. Whether they paid Apple through a um, through a per unit contract or whether they paid Apple by giving them tech tech or certain information, we don't know. But what we do know is Apple does not give out ProRes for free. If you get ProRes, it's being paid for somehow. So DJI in the past, when you bought say the Inspire. Uh, two, if you wanted ProRes, the license to buy ProRes from DJI was $500. So let's say that that's the, pro the same cost for this drone, okay? So if that's the case, then you have a $500 ProRes license, a $1,200 remote, $180 set of indie filters, and a $100 to $200 um, one terabyte SSD. If you add all that together, the price is about $1,980 to $2,080. So when people say, oh my gosh, this drone costs $2,000 extra, and all you're getting is the ProRes license, that's not true because I just did the math for you and I just proved to you how they came up with that price. They didn't just put $2,000 down on a piece of paper and charge you that just to have ProRes. No, it's simple math. $1,200 remote, $180 set of ND filters, a $1 to $200 SSD drive, and then the $500 for the ProRes license. That's where the $2,000 comes from. So if you want to know why it costs $5,000 and not $3,000, it's because you're getting all that in, in, in the kit. That's why. That's why it costs more. So I don't understand why people are so upset about the price because look at what you're getting. They didn't just mark it up $2,000 and slap the word Cine on the side of the drone. Like You are getting a completely different product that's got 
ProRes internal that's got a one terabyte SSD internal that comes with extra NDs that comes with a much better, much more professional remote. So it's a much better product. Of course, it's going to cost more money. And if you look at the market and, and where it lies in the market, there is no other drone like it, right? Because I just, I just got through saying a second ago how you had really two options. You had the consumer drone market where you had these one-inch sensor drones that cost $2,500 or less, or you had the high-end drones where by the time you deck them out, go up to like $7,500 to $15,000. There's nothing in the middle ground. This is the middle ground. And so because, because they had to add all these extra parts and pieces, to add, which increased the cost, and because there is no other drone playing in this market, of course it's going to cost this kind of money. So I don't understand why people seem to think that DJI was going to give them all this for $2,500. Like, you must be high because there's no way they would do that. They're the only player in the game in this space as of this moment in time. There is one company... X Dynamics that does have a micro four thirds drone that is called the Evolve 2 that does retail for $3,700. And you could make the argument that that drone also plays in this space. However, I think that drone is irrelevant. Here's why. X Dynamics is already a year behind in shipping their product. People who pre-ordered it a year ago are just now starting to get their product. Why is that? Well, it's simple. X Dynamics is a small, relatively unknown company. They're kind of like Black Magic was back in the day when Black Magic first got started, only they're much smaller than Black Magic when Black Magic got started. And for those of you who were around when Black Magic got started many years ago, Black Magic had some pretty interesting products and they sold at relatively inexpensive prices. However, they were full of problems. They always missed their shipping dates by months and months and months and their products always had issues when you got them they had random color that color shifts and they had random noise floor uh, issues and they had problems with the audio not working correctly sometimes they would just shut off and not turn back on and all of that was because they didn't have a good quality control because they didn't have a big enough company to iron all that out and so if you were an early adopter of black magic you went through some painful times until you finally started getting some products many years down the road that you could actually count on and so back then when black magic was getting started people that were shooting professionally a lot of times were avoiding them and were sticking with companies like sony or canon because their products while maybe their products are more expensive and maybe their products didn't have some of the features of the black magic that the black magics did at the time you could count on them and that that was worth it right you you weren't going to have a c300 that was going to not start one day or that was going to have random color shifts right that wasn't going to happen Canon has really good quality control. Their products were reliable. Same thing with Sony. Same thing with Panasonic. That's why people in the early days a lot of times avoided Blackmagic, except for people who were doing short films and who wanted, who had the ability to, to take a chance on it. But if you were shooting professionally for a client, you probably weren't shooting with them back then, right? X-Dynamics is very, very similar to that. They're small. They're relatively unknown. They've already missed a bunch of launch dates by a whole freaking year. <laughs> and then on top of that, if you look at their product, it's much bigger in size, the Evolve 2 is, and it only comes with one battery. So by the time you add more batteries and stuff, it's going to increase the cost, making it closer in cost to the Mavic 3 Cine. It doesn't come with ND filters or anything like that. Again, that's going to further increase the price. So when you look at it, really... It might it might be thirty seven hundred dollars versus five thousand dollars, but when you factor in the fact that you got to buy more batteries and you got to buy uh, accessories like ND filters and stuff, it's going to cost you about the same amount of money. Plus, again, it's from a company that you probably aren't going to want to take a chance on on a paid gig right now. Like just calling it what it is, and. It does have the ability to change lenses, which is something the Mavic 3 Cine does not have. However, that is why the size is much bigger. And that's also why this drone, it doesn't have, because it doesn't have the tech that a company like DJI has, it doesn't have things like the active track modes, point of interest modes, or things like that, which if we're being honest, those modes make DJI's drones a lot more easier to fly. I mean, think about it. If you're a solo camera operator and you are flying by yourself 
You don't have a second shooter operating the camera while you're operating the drone kind of thing. No, you are a solo operator. If you are a solo drone operator, if you have the ability to do things like point of interest or active track mode or any of those uh, modes that allow you to let the drone use the GPS to navigate for you, then you can control the camera while the drone flies itself. And what that does is it helps you as a solo operator be able to get much more complex shots than you would be able to get if it didn't have those modes and you were shooting by yourself. Those things are important. And X Dynamics doesn't have that in their product. So while yes, technically they do have a $3,700 Micro Four Thirds drone that you could say is competing in a similar market to the Mavic 3 Cine, I would argue that it's not. It's something that's more of a novelty that some people will take a chance on, but most people will never buy because they're not going to trust them. And again, at the end of the day, by the time you do buy it and get all the accessories and stuff, you could have bought the Mavic 3 Cine anyway. And the only thing that the Evolve 2 does that the Mavic 3 Cine doesn't do is change lenses, which is nice. However, you're missing all the modes like active track and stuff like that that make it so much easier to fly. So in my opinion, the Mavic 3 Cine still today is the only player in the middle ground. It's the only one. It's the only drone that you have the option to get that is truly a professional product, but without having to go up to the $7,500 to $15,000 price category, and that's not gigantic, and that doesn't require a, you know, a, a case that weighs 50 pounds with accessories and stuff, and that doesn't take 10 or 15 or 20 minutes to set up, because that's what you're going to deal with if you go to a much, much bigger drone, right? If you're looking for something you can set up in minutes, or seconds, you know, that's small and compact and lightweight, this is your option, right? This is your only option. And that is why, if you look at the price, I've already done the math and explained the $2,000 price difference, but if you also look at the market, because it's the only player in the game, the price is even further justified. So, with that being said, who is this product for? Well, a lot of people say that there's not a big difference between the Mavic 2 Pro and the Mavic 3 Cine. So if you are shooting with a Mavic 2 Pro, you should stick with what you have because there's not a big price difference. Well, to me, that demonstrates that that person is not the target market for this drone because it shows you that they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> because the Mavic 3 Cine is clearly a much different product. It's far superior. I mean, think about that. There's a lot of people online saying that the Mavic 2 Pro is a 4K 31-inch sensor drone. The Mavic 3 Cine is a 5.1K 60 4K 120 um, Micro Four Thirds drone with ProRes. I mean, come on. If, if you say, if you're one of those people who are saying that there's not much difference between it and the Mavic 2 Pro, then it shows me that you actually don't know video and this is not, you're not the target market for this product. I'm just going to call it what it is. Because if you actually understand video and you have any lick of common sense, you can look at this product and understand why it costs what it costs and what features it has that makes it different from other DJI products. It is not a Mavic 3 without the ProRes. It is a different product with different accessories and different features, right? So if you are someone who understands that, this might be the product for you if you have the clients for it. And not everybody does. If you're doing residential real estate or if you're shooting weddings, this might not, this drone may not be the product for you because you may, you may have clients that aren't going to notice the difference. But what if you're doing commercial work or television uh, television ads or movie theater pre-roll ads or maybe you're shooting events or live streaming stuff or maybe you're doing documentary work where you need to have something that's still small, compact, and lightweight, but that packs a huge punch and records a professional quality image that can actually cut with the footage you're shooting on the ground with your cinema cameras. If that's you, then this is a product that's going to that's gonna be a great fit for you. And the way I see it is for someone like me, anything that this product cannot do, I'm going to bring in a dedicated aerial team for. I'm personally not going to buy a FreeFly Alta or a FreeFly Astro or Sony AirPeak 1 and fly any of my other cameras. I contemplated it. I didn't want to go that route, 
But at the time, I was sick of consumer drones and their one-inch sensors. But now that this product exists, I don't have to go that route. I have a drone because I ordered it. I have a drone now that's still small and compact, but that shoots professional quality footage without having to go all the way to the $7,500 or $15,000 product. So to me, this is going to allow me to get the results that I've been waiting to get for the last five or six years, but without having to go to the complete other end of the spectrum. And that, that makes this the perfect fit for me. So if, and if there's, again, if there's anything I can't do with this, if I have a project that I feel like I just need something different, which would be very rare, but if I do have that, I'll hire the, I'll hire a team to come in and do those shots for me. That's the kind of person, that's the kind of market that DJI is targeting this product to. People who want professional quality results, who are typically independent contractors or, or who are uh, shooting by themselves a lot of times or shooting with a smaller crew. That is who this product is designed for. It is not designed for consumers or hobbyists or people who shoot weddings or residential real estate or things like that. And if you are, if that's you and you're looking at this price and you're freaking out about it, I understand that because this product is probably more than what you need, but don't bash the product and say it's a terrible product because the pricing is horrible. Cause that's not the case. It's actually an awesome product, an incredible product. It just means that you're not the target market for it. And it's important that people understand that. I want to make a quick note about ProRes too, because it seems like a lot of people don't understand the point of ProRes. I mentioned earlier that one of the benefits of ProRes is that it is going to retain more detail because it has a larger bit rate, much, much, much larger bit rate, which is the case. But the other benefit of ProRes is you're getting 10-bit 422 color, whereas if you shoot an H.265, you're getting 10-bit 420. So instead of 10-bit 420, you're getting 10-bit 422. And then the other benefit, and this is a major benefit, is that if you've ever worked with H.265 footage in the past, it is a bear to work with. It is so hard on your computer. And if you try to layer shots, like if you're, if you're trying to layer one drone shot on another, or if you're trying to mix a drone shot with graphics, oh my God, it is so taxing on your computer. I hate H.265 from that perspective. I hate it. Even just playing it back, like if I'm in a hotel at night and I'm on a shoot somewhere out of state and I'm wanting to review my footage and I'm reviewing drone footage, my H.265 drone footage plays back choppy on my laptop, my MacBook Pro, because it's just so compressed and so hard for a computer to play back smoothly. And it's even worse when editing. So as such, a lot of times I can't, I can't watch back my footage very easily on the computer without having to transcode to ProRes and I can't edit very smoothly unless, again, I transcode to ProRes, which is very time-consuming. You have to tie up your computer and let it sit in the background and transcode your shots for you just so you can play them back smoothly or edit them easily. And I hate that. Well, with this drone, you don't have to do that anymore. It's shooting straight to ProRes HQ. So when you get back to the hotel at night, it's going to play back super smooth <laughs> and it's going to edit super smooth. You don't have to transcode to ProRes anymore because it's already shooting to ProRes. And ProRes is an uncompressed codec that takes up a lot of space, but it, it plays back super, super, super smooth and edits super smooth. And so you don't have to come back and tie up your computer anymore and waste time transcoding footage. You can view it immediately and start editing immediately. And at the end of the day, time is money, and this saves you time. Therefore, in the long run, this saves you money. If you think about it from that perspective, it's a no-brainer, right? So when people are like, oh, ProRes is not much different in quality than H.265, well, that's not true because it is capturing more detail. And But then on top of that, it's 10-bit 422 instead of 420. And a lot of the argument isn't even about the quality. It's also about the editability and playback. So there's so much more to ProRes than just looking at purely the image quality. It goes beyond that. It even goes to the fact that sometimes production houses specifically ask you to deliver footage and ProRes. I get asked that all the time. I used to back, back when I did, t did TV, we were specifically asked to deliver ProRes footage. Now we can straight out of camera with this drone. That is super, super, super helpful. So to me, you have a professional quality product here with a Micro Four Thirds sensor that shoots to a large resolution at 60 frames that also records through this incredible ProRes codec that's easy to edit, easy to play back, and that's capturing more detail 
It's going to be better in low light. It's going to have a higher dynamic range, and it's going to help you to achieve a shallower depth of field if you fly the drone close to an object. All of those things are big wins. Again, it's like flying a fixed lens GH5 with ProRes and 5.1K 60 frames per second recording. It's pretty amazing. So I think that this product is completely justified for the price. If you do the math and you look at the accessories that it comes with, the math checks out. Not to mention, it's the only product of its type in the middle ground in the entire drone space, which is why this is a unique product and the price is completely justified. It may not be the perfect product for you, and that's okay. It just means that you're not the target market. But don't make the mistake of thinking that there aren't people out there that, that, that do fit the target market, because there are, and I'm one of those people. And I'm super stoked to buy this, because I'm sick of my FX6, A1, and A7S3 footage looking great on the ground, <laughs> but then getting aerial shots that kind of take away from that. And I'm ready to have aerial shots that match my ground footage, and this is going to get me really close to being there. I'm freaking stoked about the Mavic 3 Cine. I can't wait to get it in. I don't understand the negative feedback online about the pricing, and I think that anybody who says that the pricing isn't justified, they haven't really thought it through. And anyone who says that this drone is not a step up above the Mavic 2 Pro, well, you clearly know nothing about videography, because if you did, you would know that that is a really stupid comment to make. DJI knocked this product out of the park. I wish more people would see it that way because this has been something that a lot of people have been waiting for for a long time. So if you are like me and you've been waiting for a good quality product that's going to give you great aerial shots, but that's not going to require you to buy some ginormous drone, go out and buy the Mavic 3 Cine. You're going to like it, I promise you. And if that's not you and you don't need this product, no problem at all. Buy the Mavic 3 standard or or buy the, the DJI Air 2S. It's still a great quality product. Buy one of those, but don't complain about this one because this one is fantastic. I am so excited. What a year. A new sun for me. And now finally the drone I've been waiting the last five or six years on. It does not compare, <laughs> but it is still exciting. Just like it is that I got access to hunt my private property behind my house. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, I'm going to end on that note. Thanks, guys, for listening to my podcast today about the new DJI Mavic 3 Cine. What are your thoughts? Do you disagree with what I said? Do you want to chat about it? If so, go to the Filming with Josh Facebook group, post your comments there, and let's talk about the DJI Mavic 3 Cine. I'll see you there. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Yeah.